care for all Your bros can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys The leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us Oh my god, what a what a comedy podcast. What a time I know. for comedy. I love How are you hanging in there, Julia? Um, I'm doing like slightly better than last week. I feel I feel like now that we are entering week 3 of this, which is so crazy. I ugh, I can't believe it. Um, I feel I do feel that I'm finally sort of like settling into a routine as and kind of adjusting to whatever this new normal is which is so strange and scary and awful and but it's you know i think everybody's just doing their best unfortunately all the laundromats near me keep closing so that sucks but other than that i'm doing fine oh my god how are you doing your laundry i just have to keep going further and further away Oh, that sucks. Are you, so wait, so you actually have to go to the laundromat and do your laundry there? Yeah. Do, do you have laundry in your building? In the basement, yeah. It's oh, with quarters. That rocks. I mean, I've I've had uh, buildings where I had to go to the laundromat before, and it's a whole thing. And I can't imagine doing it during the pandemic. Yeah, I've been going outside, I don't know, maybe once a week. I mean, little walks here and there, but mostly just... It's just like a, a trip to the store uh, here and there to grab some food and that's it. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm doing like a big, like, I am trying to really get outside every single day for like two hours um, because it's the only thing that's kind of keeping me afloat. I really, I need the fresh air and the movement. I haven't been outside yet today though. So I'm going to actually probably go after you and I record, um, and do a, do a night walk, which is not my usual, but, um, are you, are you hanging in there? What's going on over at your place? I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it and I have, a. am in some ways one could say I'm living out my worst nightmare. I am quarantined 24 seven with, a reply guy. I knew you were going to say that, and that's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, that's true. I l- love that for you personally. I think that is, I think if anything, you and I starting this podcast may have manifested that happening. Yeah. I mean, when you make a rule for yourself that you shouldn't do something, it becomes <laughs> the most attractive thing that you can do. But yeah, I mean, it's just where I'm just, I'm in my house. With uh, one man I've been dating for like six weeks and it's um it's definitely interesting to be in a new relationship uh during the during the what I've come to to know as the core the core uh, yeah I keep making a I mean I didn't make that up that's that's been all over Twitter but I have made up new uh new core slang uh, if you're quarant- if you're uh, quarantining with someone and and we're still on Valentine's Day, they're your your quarantine. Oh my god! Okay, got that. It's really horrible. Um, I I think a relationship in which you are uh, <laughs> which you are with one other person, you're you're cored up right now. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. I'm really sorry. I can't put this all on one human. Um, and uh, <laughs> I I like thinking of it as a verb, like uh. No, like a, a participle, right? Like, um, yeah, we're cord. Yeah, 
That's that's it's like it's something that's happened to us. Hardcore. Yeah, hardcore. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's pretty bad. I mean, it's you know we can't do we can't do stand up anymore. We have nothing. <laughs> no, we. It is so weird to not do stand up, but yeah, it is definitely weird because you know like stand-up comedians will be like dating is weird but um it's not uh it hasn't been really weird until now uh yeah it's uh, mostly we're just working in, in other rooms a lot to not be kind of constantly in each other's hair but it's also um a situation where you know if we're like uh yeah let's uh let's go on a date uh, and that date is watching a, a movie. We watched uh, we watched Wicker Man. Uh, oh, and very romantic. Yeah. Well, see, I don't know. Like, I to me, like those the suspense horror genre feels attractive right now because I can become like fully immersed in it. I just, I would just imagine the two of you watching like nine eleven conspiracy theory movies. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys are both watching loose change and then making sweet passionate love <laughs> i've never i've never been a 9-11 conspiracy person no i i i wouldn't think so but it's fun to but, imagine yeah no i yeah i'm not i'm trying to think what conspiracies i've been into i, I i'm not like a i'm not a big conspiracy person in general but you know i mean of course it's of course it is crossed my mind uh if the ruling class did this to us on purpose <laughs> i don't think so though well i mean didn't they <laughs> <laughs> i mean no it's like you know i think it's you know the the evil is is in plain sight you yeah. know like the ways that people are you know trying to profit off this and they will i mean naomi klein um has been saying some really good smart stuff about uh the way that you know, disaster capitalism may uh, play out in the wake of all of this. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be, yeah, that's hopefully, I mean, that's probably what will happen, but, you know, hopefully not uh, at least to the extent uh, that, you know, is, is, uh, is easy to imagine, but just, you know, just with all the kind of small businesses that may close and stuff from this, like just, you know, will everything be a Starbucks, uh, you know, or is, is this going to, or all the school closures going to just lay the foundations for charter schools to sweep in oh, around the country? Boy, I will absolutely get arrested for what I would do. if, if this, You're not a fan of charter school. I hate charter no. schools. No, neither. Yeah, I hate it too. I, I mean, it's it's really really shitty. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, in Shock Doctrine, she starts that book talking a lot about what happened um, post Hurricane Katrina, uh, and just you know the way that I think almost every school, potentially every school, but at least at least the like the overwhelming majority, save like one or two, was turned into a, a charter school in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen everywhere or anything like that, but it's definitely, you know, a possibility, I think, in a lot of areas. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, they're already trying to do uh, some more, get some more uh, authoritarian shit through right now. Um, and, uh you know, there's going to be, I think we could potentially see, you know, a, a lot more law enforcement in 
the streets you know de blasio was talking about like you know finding people and stuff and i mean like i get why they want to enforce social distancing it's you know it should be we should be social distancing right now but we just do have this like mentality that the only way to get people to do something is to like you know uh arrest them or ticket them or just these like punitive measures and uh you know i think it'd be a lot easier to get people to like stay home with you know by making sure that they had their needs met in some way yeah you know um i you know since last week when we uh we talked about mutual aid i've been seeing different things pop up here mutual aid organizations uh here in brooklyn i've been seeing their work kind of like pop up all over the place and it's really it's very cool so i hope people hope people liked uh hearing i certainly was really interested in our our mutual aid discussion last week um but yeah people are you know there are still people doing doing good things uh on you know it, it's really hard to see when uh all i see is uh is jeff bezos all the time but <laughs> i really um oh kate can i yes. would, would you indulge me in uh in talking in like just a little aside about the the primary campaign in um massachusetts for the the senate ed markey senate seat Oh, yeah, I love Ed Markey, and I would love to hear it. We love Ed Markey. All right, so um, true fans of Reply Guys will know that uh, Kate and I love Senator Markey, and I have a a permanent hatred of Joe Kennedy III, um, who is – who waged uh, a challenge from the center – uh, because he's useless – to to Ed Markey. So basically – uh, Stephanie Murray, who is a reporter for Politico, um, tweeted yesterday, uh, the Massachusetts Democratic Party will vote to cancel its May 30th convention on Saturday due to the con- coronavirus outbreak. It's agreed uh, Senator Ed Markey will be considered the winner of the convention and endorsed by the party, according to some familiar with the plans. This was uh, speculative speculative at the time. Um, but one of Ed Markey's, uh, organizers tweeted at me when I was like, what the fuck is going on in Massachusetts? And he said in the current proposal, which the state party still has to approve, both candidates are going to appear on the September 1st primary ballot, but Ed Markey will have the endorsement of the democratic party. Uh, so they still technically have to win the primary, but it's like a net positive for our boy at the time. More developments yeah. on that in the future. Anyways, uh, I hear, uh, I saw that. I saw that on Twitter. Um, I think I saw you actually tweeting about it. And, um, you know, one thing that I saw a lot of people saying was that, oh, yeah, this is more evidence that Bernie should drop out. And here's the thing you know, people keep using this pandemic as a reason to say, oh, Bernie should drop out so people don't have to go vote. Uh, no, fucking Joe Biden should drop out. <laughs> yeah, first of all, Joe Biden should drop out because, you know, okay, he's a terrible candidate who already, you know, is just uh, an extremely 
he's just extremely out of it. I, you know, I don't want to be like ableist because I know that like part of it is his stuttering. But I, I think like even beyond that, in the past few years, dude has been completely out of it. You know, he has a terrible record. And now, you know, he has a, a credible sexual assault allegation. I mean, yeah, Joe drop out. But let's say that neither of them drop out at this moment, uh, which is what it's looking like. I mean, do these people think that the only thing on the ballot, like that you show up to vote and it's just like, you know, Bernie Biden? No, that's not what it is. Like there's there's all kinds of other people running for office right now. There's all sorts of other uh, primaries mm-hmm. taking place. I mean, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's not like you go to your polling place and it's just like, hey, Bernie or Biden, what do you think? You know? Yeah. These people are so dumb. Oh, gosh. I really... Uh, uh, it's... <laughs> thinking that Bernie Sanders should drop out now when it is more clear than ever how badly we need Medicare for all... I simply cannot, I cannot abide. Also, I I still want to vote for him. New York still hasn't had our primary. I don't know how that's going to happen or if it's going to happen. Because um, we were supposed to vote on the April 28th, I think. Yeah, TBD. Um, TBD. How long do you think the social distancing is going to last, Julia? Oh, God. What are your current thoughts? <sighs> well, I think it's going to be until like June. Um, I think it, yeah, I think it's because if this follows the regular track of like a flu season anyways, I know it's like so much worse than the flu, obviously, but like theoretically, I think, I mean, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, You, you think it's going to be like 18 months, right? Well, I think it's going to be like, I don't know, because I mean, there's definitely, I've been reading a lot about this and I'll, I'll like, I, I, you know, I've, uh, I've named myself a, a citizen coronavirus researcher, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it's, a you know, it, it, I don't think that we'll be inside for the entire 18 months. Um, but, uh, it does seem like they're going to maybe do like waves of it. Yeah. And that the first wave is probably not going to end before June, July, August, maybe, um yeah i mean you know people keep talking about like oh when we get the vaccine in 18 months but also if you really want to go uh full black pill there's no guarantee that we're getting the vaccine in 18 yeah. months yeah yeah <laughs> there's no guarantee that we're getting the vaccine ever oh man i i feel so badly because my parents keep asking me to come home basically they and there's there would be nothing worse than for me to do that i mean there was a case in dartmouth massachusetts where literally like a girl like me who uh, like lives in brooklyn went to her parents house in dartmouth massachusetts and now there's like coronavirus there yeah no i i understand i mean look you know i definitely think that people should follow the guidelines of like staying home but i feel like a little bit of the shaming of the like of people for leaving New York. I know this is like a contrarian opinion, but I feel like it has gone a little bit too far. Oh, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Some people who have gone home to their families, you know, don't have any money. You know, a lot of people don't have like enough money to feed themselves without jobs and stuff. And they need 
to go home and sometimes you know family members need care and it's just i don't know man i mean it's it's good to stay in new york if you absolutely possibly can it's, it's definitely what i'm doing but you know it's also uh we just don't know anyone else's situation. I mean, I thought about leaving New York for a second. I was like, oh, my God. Like, when all of the hospitals were getting totally overwhelmed, I was like, should I just, like, find a way to, like, leave here, like, very safely without, like, seeing another person on my journey? And then I'm like, okay, there's there's actually no way I could do that, so I got to stay. But, I mean, it's just, I don't know. You just, you can't know the full extent of anyone else's uh, situation with their physical health or their mental health or uh, their financial situation. So, you know, I don't know. I feel like people have been getting a little self-righteous about it sometimes. I, I totally agree. I mean, I was tweeting about about my laundromat situation and someone uh replied to me that this is why she left. She decided to leave New York because she had the same situation where she, I mean, luckily I found another laundromat that's just like further away or whatever. But, um, I mean, if you can't like wash your clothes, it's, <laughs> it's tough. Uh, yeah, you, you don't know everybody's situation. And I certainly, some of the people I know who have left, uh, most of the people I know who have left do not like come from money. So everybody can chill. Like every, some people just want to be with their families. And I understand, like, uh, I understand. Like, I wish I could be with my family right now, but yeah, no, I, yeah, same. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's better not to leave. It's better to shelter in place. Yeah. I just, man, this one, this one friend of mine left New York because, you know, her family needed some help and, uh, was dragged like and it was just like i don't know man i don't know maybe i'll get canceled for this too but yeah i mean it's just like i mean so many people have been laid off and it's not like our government is like providing people any like real aid or something yeah like, I, you know some folks are getting like a 1200 dollars check and like supposedly there's you know a way that uh you know tips workers and gig workers can get it too because of you know bernie sanders but I mean, that's going to be it seems like it's going to be a bureaucratic nightmare. And I've lost a lot of my gig work, too. And I I just I don't know. I mean, maybe I will be able to get all the paperwork in order to prove that uh, or maybe not. I'm not sure. You know, it's just like. Yeah. And I saw that uh, Canada just passed their stimulus bill and uh, everyone's getting two grand a month. For, oh, my God. Yeah. So. Uh, for four months, they're getting eight thousand dollars. Every Canada is Canadian. such a better place than we live in. Look, I uh, if if any of our listeners are Canadian and hot, I am willing to get married. <laughs> I thought about that, man. If I, you know, if I part ways with my uh, with my reply guy, I'm 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 hooking up with a Canadian, and no one can stop me. I mean, actually society can stop me because it seems like it's really irresponsible to be hooking up with anyone right now <laughs> society is the only the only thing that can stop me from hooking up <laughs> i feel truly bad for uh, the, this impact on the poly community i know uh, a lot of people were uh, forced into monogamy situations when <laughs> it's just not their way it's uh, just not their way um i oh right. can, wait can i also say that i heard from like three people like all of my exes are coming out of the woodwork in a way that is truly 
incredible. <laughs> oh my god, who said what? Tell me. Well, I had um two two different people that I dated texted me within hours of each other. And one of them was like a big, it seemed like an AA apology, honestly. And the other one, and it was kind of a non-apology. It was like, sorry, my drinking made me treat you badly. <laughs> and that, what a loser. And, and that's not a paraphrasal. That is almost verbatim what he said. Um, and uh, the other one was like perfectly nice, perfectly pleasant. And we had a, like a nice conversation. She's lovely and doing well and God bless. But um yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then I absolutely also then got the idea to like text, text a guy who I used to date. <laughs> and then we had a really nice, we actually had a really nice FaceTime. So, you know, reconnecting with, with all my, my former flames. I just feel so bad for the people that are cord in bad relationships right now. Oh God. It's horrible. I mean, it's like at least look. It's weird to be quarantining with someone that you've been dating for six weeks. It's definitely a bizarre decision. My therapist was not mad about it. I thought she would be, but look, at least we don't have any long-term resentments that have been building for a long time, um, and we can't discuss important matters like you know, uh, you know, where do we want to live or should we have kids or something like that because it's not time yet. So. I don't know. Part of me feels like uh, being quarantined in a casual relationship situation is the best that you can hope for. I I have another friend who did almost the exact same thing that you're doing. And she's, I mean, she's living it up. She's feeling great. My parents are for sure going to kill each other. uh, I think. I think the two of them being in the house together all the time. Like my mom is a nurse, so she still has to go to work a few, but her hours have been cut. Um... So that's like her only respite for like, she's going to fall like, she's not being careful enough just because she wants to get out of the house. Like she was like, maybe I'll go to target. And I was like, you are just going to, you're going to get coronavirus just so you don't have to spend time with dad. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird. um, But yeah, no, I feel so bad for all the people that are like quarantined with little kids. Like, I mean, just, you know, I I actually am a person who loves kids. Like, I think I maybe want to have one. But, you know, it's like, I just, uh, I'm imagining just like never being able to like, get away from your kid ever you know and like not being able to like take your kid to school anymore. And you have to like do your work in the meantime. Oh, my God. It's, I mean, absolutely godspeed and solidarity to every person who is quarantined with kids i know it's, like little it's, kids yeah it is out of control i okay so we're uh we're welcoming sara june to the podcast hey sara are you recording this okay okay i'm gonna welcome you again all right so uh we are now welcoming uh, a very special guest to the podcast uh we are welcoming sara june from means tv um is here to talk to us uh welcome sara june 
Thank you so much for having me. This is working out great. And I love the technology situation. <laughs> this is so much better than meeting live would have been. Um, we all get to smell bad separately. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for the solidarity of smelling bad. At of course, any time. Why shouldn't you? Why? Why? So, Sara, uh, before you tell us about Means TV, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You are a, you're a socialist feminist, right? I saw a really cool video that you made about it for Means TV. I did make a video. I'm glad you liked that video. Um, I felt it did not actually do a good job of explaining um, what socialist feminism is. <laughs> Uh, but other people said it was helpful to them. So I guess that's good. Um, I just, you know, it's it's hard to 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 talk about. Um, uh, all right. So, Sarah, before you um, tell us about Means TV, tell us a little bit about you. How did you become interested in politics and comedy? Those are very different. What a general question. <laughs> Yeah. The answer to both is the same, and it's the Iraq War and the Daily Show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Were you, so you were a Jon Stewart fan? I was. I was, uh, you know, the, that show really got me through the Iraq War. I was pretty young, and it was the first, like, late night show I ever watched regularly. Honestly, I never, I was not, like, I don't know. Some Some people grow up on, like, Conan or whatever. That also. But I don't that know. That was me. This, I was, does this yeah. date me? No, I I grew up on I mean I grew up I I grew up in a in a, a strictly Letterman household, but I also okay, but like Okay, yeah. I've never fucking watched Letterman ever. Okay. Well, see, it's just so it's just like you just have your show. Yeah, well, no, I I mean, that was my parents. I felt like my show was Conan though because it's like yeah. Conan was cool. Uh yeah. back Conan then. Conan was cool. I was a Daily Show person too, but you know it's really—I don't know—it uh, it feels like it's become a lot more toothless than it used to be. I mean, I know John Stewart was, you know, like not everything he did was uh, something that I agree with. I thought the the rally for sanity I was and all that just, stuff I was, was a little just uh, say that. little general. You yeah, know, I'm not going to support the Daily Show past the John Stewart era or even during, frankly. But I would be, you know, I would. I know it's like at this point, it's like a centrist, strong centrist, annoying centrist, like show never. I mean, you can edit this out or not. I'm never going to get hired on that fucking show. Like there's no way they would they would ever like whatever I do. You, does this happen to you, Kate? Do people like tell you to have you ever auditioned for like the Daily Show? Or, sorry, if this is like too inside baseball for this podcast. But like, have you ever auditioned for Sam B or anything? Uh yeah, I mean I've submitted a packet for Sam B. Yeah, did did anything ever happen? Did you ever talk to them or anything? Um, I you know I mean I have friends who work for Sam B, and you know Sam B is definitely more left than a lot of the um. I mean when I say more left, like they're not like they're not uh leftists like as some of the writers are I think, but you know it's not it's it's definitely um still within like a pretty you know kind of liberal window, but you know definitely uh some are more centrist than than others, you know I mean I think yeah. like kind of broadly there's just like not. Well, you know, there's, there's, there's not individual a lot of writers and their politics, and then there's like the show's yeah. voice, you know, and I'm sure in it you know even with the John Stewart staff, uh I just like 
I don't know if that show would hold up for me, but at the time it was like, hey, wow, look, politicians are lying to us all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And he also went after Fox News a lot, you know, which is like Fox News is uh, obviously really terrible. But, you know, MSNBC is. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's no, it's not as bad as Fox News, but like what could be as bad as Fox News on Fox News? They like, yeah, didn't Fox even News believe like, that the coronavirus like is real, but MSNBC is ridiculous. But also, yeah. I mean, yeah, the thing I was uh, actually I didn't have cable until I was like in my mid late teens. So I didn't uh, I wasn't exposed to the Daily Show. But once I was, I always uh, I was more of a Colbert Report girl myself. Um, Great. But the um, the thing that bothered me about Jon Stewart was like he did try to do that, like playing both sides of the fence a lot of a lot of the time and he his like close friendship with bill o'reilly was so weird (laughs) i think bill i wonder if bill o'reilly is one of those guys who's like it's just an act i'm an actor like alex jones you know i kind of like i don't know if that makes it worse no i i kind of think that maybe he is like he calls it he's like he's like he's like i'm a blowhard like he he's just like i'm just a windbag like he calls he self-identifies as a windbag so i don't know um but yeah but yeah that's like the the liberal like thing the online like as a as a windbag as a (laughs) um please don't erase me it's no the windbag community oh my god okay before we get into means tv a little bit i just want to say that you know uh online has online has been just wild in the past like few weeks with just everyone on it all the time it is so are you gonna cry like no i'm not crying at all i'm just like like, it's not like you're gonna cry that's no i'm not crying that's just kind of how kate's voice uh sounds sometimes Oh. Yeah, I just have a, I just, yeah, I have vocal fry, you know, I w- a lot I of sexists w- really hate it. I wouldn't, oh, that's really tough for them. Um, yeah, yeah I, no, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you if you were about to cry. I've been crying a lot. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I, I think like the first week I was crying a lot, but now I'm kind of like, I'm just sort of like a, I'm, I'm a little bit numb to it. Not like to, not to, to everything, not to like the, the human suffering but my own uh experience of being in the house i think once they uh said that they were gonna like you know reopen everything and i just thought about how bad that would be now i'm like sort of grateful that that's not happening right now like even if it means that i have to stay inside and i you know i feel lucky to be here because you know i know like there's just a lot of people who don't have that situation right now like i was you know the instacart workers and uh whole foods workers um and amazon workers they're striking right now for really fucking basic safety protections so you know it's a great uh, time to strike i'll say that yeah but i mean i was looking at some of the responses to that uh to the strike online and Uh oh lib twitter was just going nuts they're like these people don't have a right to strike you know like we need this stuff we we can't go outside because we have to be safe and it was like yeah geniuses uh what do you think that these people want they also want to be safe. <laughs> you dumbass idiot. I mean, We're trying to do the right thing and not spread the virus. So these people need to put themselves at risk um, and do the opposite of what we're doing. Yes. 
it's different. I mean, the rules for me and them are very different, and I don't need to get into why. It's just a lot right now. <laughs> I'm having a hard time. I have to spend a lot of time with my kids, and I don't like it. <laughs> That's my impression of Lib Twitter. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, there are people who, you know, there there are people for whom it is really unsafe to go outside right now at all. Like, you know, folks who are elderly or, you know, folks who are, um, you know, immune, immunocompromised. You this know, is so true. it's like, you know, we don't know anybody's individual situation, but those workers uh, absolutely have a right to strike and they should. And it is, you know, Jeff... Bezos had uh was like a fundraising for uh his employees and it's like dude you're a fucking billionaire who's like making a ton of money off this crisis I mean not treading any new ground here for sure but he's just the like- billionaire he is the richest man in the world and he pays zero dollars in federal taxes <laughs> is Jeff Bezos really the richest man in the world right now is he number one I think I, I think he, so I think he is uh, maybe somebody oh overtook him since he had to give half his money to his ex oh my god well probably not remember he when probably they just made it back immediately he, he was just when like you, he looked at it he looked at his bank account and he was like double it <laughs> <laughs> when you remember when they got a divorce jeff and Mackenzie bezos and they yeah. like yeah that was amazing and then she just became <laughs> the richest woman in the world instantly like so much fucking richer than the queen could ever dream of being yeah it's it, i don't know i hate jeff bezos i hate how much money he's making off this there i mean it's like there's just you know there are a lot of stories of like a, amazing generosity like um you know, GE workers walked off the job uh, demanding to make ventilators. You know, it wasn't even about like themselves. Like they just wanted to, um, you know, be of service to what's needed right now. And I mean, that's, I mean, you if know- Jeff Bezos wanted to look best case scenario, nationalize Amazon. That's the ideal scenario. Worst case scenario Definitely, like, probably still one of the worst things that Jeff Bezos could do, but not as bad as what he's doing right now, which is nothing, is uh, turn Amazon warehouses into hospitals. He could do that immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's also this, there's this hospital in Philadelphia that's currently, like, vacant because some, like, they're are no beds filled because some, like, financier is, like, holding up the works. Like, we are past the point of no return. I think I don't know. I want to like uh, just burn it all down. I really, it, it feels so. It, there is there is no reference point for what is happening right now, and it's so destabilizing. It is. I've uh, been talking to a lot of people about this, and uh, it's. It's very, um, it's very hard to not know what's going to happen, and yeah. uh, to know that things could could change a lot at any moment. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I'll say it. It's not good. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fucked. It's um, uh, it's pretty bad. I wanted to give you guys a heads up that I might get a thirty second test call sometime in the next like few minutes that's fine we'll just pause and you resume in 30 seconds yeah um no it's a yeah and i mean the thing is is like 
the need for Medicare for all and for um, a robust social safety net has never been more clear, uh, you know, on such a massive level than it is right now. And it really does feel like a sickness that even people who would benefit from Medicare for all are like, you know, still against it. I mean, it's just, it, it just shows like the pervasiveness of the, um, I don't know. I want to say well, like brainwashing you know, really sh- almost. Well, it shows that it's, you know, people's opinion on this issue is not about logic. It's about ideology. And, you know, that's it. it either your ideology is healthcare is a human right or your ideology is healthcare is not a human right. And I don't believe that everybody deserves it. Mm. I think it just really sunk in last night. Obviously, I've, I've like thought about this a lot, but it just really sunk in last night on another level that like you are beholden to your employer for like cancer treatment that you don't have a right to. I mean, that you're you know expected to kind of just suffer in this sadistic fashion uh not just for the profit of insurance companies but also so that your employer has control over you i mean it's just what a sick system this is me like uh, just being a college student right now i mean it's just you know it's just all kind of like it just hits you in a new way you know in the middle of a time like like this you are spiraling and i completely relate because it is a big black hole and we're all just teetering on the edge of it all fucking day and you're online a lot and that makes it really hard to like sit down um you'll notice i'm very stoned right now <laughs> this is not a coincidence <laughs> i am I, I was thinking about logging off i really was giving a lot of thought to logging off after the primary but you know now it's like we've reached a situation where like the internet is our main mode of communication yeah, with other people it's really tough i, I have considered getting back on Twitter, but um, then I couldn't remember my old password and stuff. Oh my God. Uh, cherish, cherish that. Wait, so Sarah, you're not, you're not on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore. No, that is so healthy. Tell, tell us how you manage that. Um, how I manage it. I, I don't, I don't have a Twitter account. I deleted my that, Twitter account. Oh my God. That's, so good and i'm so god god bless and keep you i really just i we must protect you at all costs and look most most twitters that i followed are are public you know like they're still there if i ever want to read them like i can just like look at you know you don't have to have an account to like use twitter that's that's true that's a that's a hack um you're i'm like an egg now oh that's fun yeah the anonymity i uh yeah i think i would be so much healthier without twitter but now i just i don't know it's so it's so hard to it's so hard when there's like literally nothing to do totally. yeah Sometimes yeah like i said not go on i there. really thought about getting well because before i was like okay i'm gonna delete twitter and so i have to like go out more if I want to feel social because yeah. I don't get that sort of, I don't get that from online and that's real. You know what I mean? The social connection makes it online are like very real. So, you know, it was good because I was trying to make myself get out more, you know, 
but now I can't go out. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> it's just online. Everybody's online. So that's uh, true. Yeah, I might, you know, if this goes on for a long time, I might get back on, but I don't know. Um, Tell us a little bit about Means TV. Uh, Means TV is a uh, worker-owned entertainment cooperative. We have a YouTube channel and a streaming platform that is 10 bucks a month. And we have lots of movies on there. And it's like Netflix except leftist. That's so cool. How did that come about? Um, well, uh, the founders are uh, a couple in Detroit who met at a DSA meeting. Very cute. Uh, so cool. They, met, they both like, they both worked in um, separately in essentially like advertising and PR, and um, they decided to work together to make. Uh, oh. Originally, it was um, they were making uh, ad campaign videos, or sorry, campaign videos for um, generally Democratic Socialist candidates for Congress. Um, they made uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's campaign video. Um, which was a very uh, big factor in her win. Um, and uh, then after that, they kind of um, turned more toward uh, starting a streaming platform for entertainment, not for um, like political ad stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I used to do a podcast about leftism in California uh, and so they hit me up and now I'm uh, directing a series for them. That's so cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's been really great. My, I still have a fucking job. So I'm really, really, uh, really lucky. Yeah. What's that? What's your series about? Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> um, I have a series coming out with them hopefully in a couple of months. Uh, it's like an anthology series. It's like Black Mirror. It's like a horror comedy dystopia type thing and uh yeah i'm pretty excited yeah that's awesome means tv is so cool uh i my introduction to means tv was through the youtube channel um and the first video i saw was with uh our former guests our our baby boys uh the trillbillies uh love the trillbillies so good and um they were doing uh the video was the two of them discussing uh extraction capitalism Really good. Highly recommend to everyone. I'm way into that video. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's been a really interesting like experiment basically to uh, try and form a cooperative, a media cooperative, um, because there's there's not really a template for how to do that um, as a worker owned corporation rather than as like a a collective or a public media group like a you know like like public access channel basically um and there's never been the technology for uh to, like to get content to so many people because streaming technology is relatively new so in putting stuff together at means we are realizing that we're kind of just having to figure out a lot of stuff kind of from scratch we have we have references from other worker-owned cooperatives like there are a lot of like um restaurants that are worker-owned cooperatives uh things like bakeries grocery stores um but there's never been like a streaming entertainment and news media cooperative and are you the first leftist entertainment company of any kind i i don't know um I don't know. 
I, I'm sure we are not. I definitely haven't heard of anything. And I'm sure we I'm sure we won't be I'm sure we won't be the last. I hope not. It would be great. I mean uh, I was thinking about it like this entire election cycle, just, you know, kind of seeing the way that the media really rallied. I mean, by media, I mean, like, I don't know. It, it became like a meme that like TV writers were all for Warren and stuff like that. There was, you know, obviously not everyone, but there was a lot of truth in it. But I mean, it, it feels like in entertainment at large, although there are leftists, there's certainly a stigma to it. It seems like probably in a lot of industries. Yeah, that's that's sort of what's funny. I've uh, I've not worked in the entertainment industry that extensively. And so this is kind of like <laughs> um, this is more. Yeah, it's it's interesting that um, a lot of uh, that there have been so many different types. I don't know. Is this is this boring? Is this ridiculous? I'm like, there no. are all these different types of media companies. There's fucking Spawn Con and then there's like Funny or Die and then Funny or Die has to end up doing like branded content for Shell Oil and shit. And it's like, why are we even on the internet? <laughs> Yeah, I always think that, like, one of the biggest problems with the mainstream media landscape is that Fox News is so far right that everything is kind of, like, in response to the batshit crazy stuff that they are saying. Like, yeah. and I think that unless we destroy Fox News or if there is a left equivalent of Fox News, both of those, I mean, both of those scenarios are equally ridiculous. I think, uh, I don't like, I think corporate interests are too, um, kind of overwrought in this country that I don't think either of those would ever happen, but like, it seems like the, the kind of like, if there is a leftist Fox News, it will be under my pre I will be the Roger Ailes of leftist Fox News. And, and that's what we want for you. And I will sexually assault three blonde male employees <laughs> and I will be canceled. And yet I will continue to be very rich and never go to jail. Wow. Uh, even though I was complicit in the murder of Iraqi civilians. That yeah. will be my arc. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I don't know. I've really been thinking a lot about the kind of divide in left media versus, you know, more mainstream media, even though, like, I just feel like I hate, uh, I feel so Trumpy whenever I call it that, like, kind of center-left media, <laughs> corporate-backed media. Uh, but the liberal media? The, the neo-lib media, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, I've been thinking about it a lot this week because, you know, um, Tara Reid, uh with her story of um, being sexually assaulted by Joe Biden, you know, that's been covered on Democracy Now!, uh, Crystal Ball Show, Rising, you know, Current Affairs, um, The Intercept, uh, Ryan Graham did a piece about how um, her case was kind of, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was all the way, if he would say it's all the way like a, a catch and kill operation, but, you know, to some extent they caught and killed it. Um, time's <laughs> up dead, you know, and it, it just has not received any, uh, coverage and, you know, the New York times, Washington post, um, any of the major 
television news networks and I mean not even that it happened or that it's a thing out there I'm not even saying you know that they have to uh have completed a you know full investigation or whatever and you know to some extent like things take time and I understand that folks want to do responsible journalism um but I mean it's just it's certainly disconcerting that it just has not been covered at all and that because somehow somehow not shocking to me that uh the establishment of the party of Bill Clinton Jeffrey Epstein and fucking Joe Biden would do this uh yeah, that's not, I mean, not at all surprising and you know I know this is like this is a conservative talking point and you know perhaps I'm furthering horseshoe theory here but the Democratic Party is beyond saving <laughs> it's DNR dude it is not going to survive coronavirus the Democratic Party has coronavirus and we don't have enough ventilators let it die oh man yeah I mean that's certainly <laughs> like I don't know. I, that's certainly. I, I'm not. I don't know if I personally have given up on the idea of trying to um, run leftist candidates as Democrats. I don't know if I've. I don't know if I think that that's completely impossible. Like you know, I mean, we've interviewed a lot of really amazing uh, women on this show who are, and you know, a couple men too who are running for for office uh they're democratic socialists but they're running um in democratic primaries um or on the democratic ticket um, city council members cases. too i yeah. think it's great yeah yeah i mean and it's really cool but you know i don't know i mean we definitely have seen like and you know aoc did it there's other folks that have done it but you know it's definitely you know we definitely have seen a lot of uh Tell me this, what does Democrat mean right now? To say I'm a Democrat, what does that mean? What does that mean you believe? I mean, I I personally would not say that at this point, you know, like. Well, what do you think if somebody said to you, I'm a Democrat, what do you think they believe? uh, I think they believe that um, someone running with a D next to their name is automatically better than someone running with an R next to their name, which is true in in many cases, but, you know, certainly not true in all of them. And, you know, I think that. I mean, like the Republican Party at this point is so sadistic and so openly racist. And, you know, we don't see nearly uh, the same extent of that. Um, But, you know, it's like, you know, both of both parties are, you know, beholden to the same donors in a lot of cases. And, you know, if you're a person that's interested in uh, really making people's lives better with things like universal health care or taking, you know, actually... um, the, the amount of action on, on climate change that scientists would recommend, you, you really, you don't have a home, you know? Yeah, you're just wandering, wandering the dunes. I think so I, I, I agree with you that I, in only in the sense that I think that the Democratic Party, as it currently has existed for the last 30 years, I think I don't see like people are too angry and people are too rightly so obviously. Um, And I think that there is, you know, to Kate's point, there is like a new wave of people coming in who are trying to like remake the party in, in their image, which is good, which is obviously like what we would want. I, I mean, I think that, uh, the dangers of like of kind of like over overstating that the the democratic party is is dnr is 
just that I think that I can't stop thinking about the courts. I know that this is like such a wonky, stupid or thing to say, but like No, it's very real. No, it it makes a huge difference in in things like the carceral system. Yeah. Um in so for for me, when I think of if I have to like hold my nose and fucking vote for Joe Biden in November, I will only be thinking about the fact that I cannot watch another anti-choice corporations are people judge be given a lifetime appointment. Um, and that's kind of like where my loyalty to the democratic party begins and ends. I think it's just that like we currently have like 30 year old hyper conservative judges being pushed. The Senate has done fuck all for the last like four years. But what they have done is just push through hyper conservative, super young judges for lifetime appointments to the circuit courts, the the federal courts. And that has got to fucking stop. <laughs> I am. OK, so to me, everything that you just said is a compelling reason to, I think, vote for even Joe Biden in, in a swing state, because I do think that you're right that with judicial appointments, there is a big difference. Um, but you know, I, I guess I just want to push back a little bit that like, I am not sure that that I, I am not sure that Joe Biden will not appoint, um, judges that are nearly indistinguishable, uh, from right. Republican appointees, Joe Biden specifically. I'm not saying that, you know, let's say we, uh, lived in a world where, you know, Warren were the nominee. I, you know, I, I think that, you know, I don't think that the fact that somebody like just isn't Bernie Sanders means that their judges would be, uh, you know, like, uh, the same as Republicans or something. But, you know, I think with Joe Biden specifically, I mean, his, his record on abortion is, uh, extremely problematic. I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he was a, a big, factor in Clarence Thomas's appointment so I I understand the people who are I understand the people like I think I ultimately agree with you but I I understand also the people who are like they're gonna be Republican appointments either way no I I mean yeah I mean I'll say this also at this point I don't I and this is purely a matter of speculation of personal personal belief this is not based on any like different set of information I believe that it is only a matter of time until the Democrats cave on Roe v. Wade. And and that's not an argument. It's just I don't trust them to to do the the one thing we are all hoping they will at least yeah. do Jesus Christ. Yeah, I I guess I have just a just a scotch more optimism about them uh than that if if only because it is truly the yeah, it is the least that they can do is like save the one thing that Truly. we need them to save. I don't even jo like Joe Biden. That's like at this point, one of the few things that separates them from the sure. Republican Party. And were they to were they to back down on that? I think that would be a terrible move. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course. I that's why I think they'll do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I completely understand that sentiment. I I mean, Joe Biden himself Yes, Kate is all the things that you that you said he is and he his track record is not something I'm ever going to defend. I don't 
Like I'm still tr- I'm still waiting to vote. We we haven't voted here in New York in the in the primary yet. I'm still waiting to vote for for Senator Bernard uh, here in in the primary. But I, I have I would have to imagine that because just because Trump's judges have been picked like hand selected by the Heritage Foundation, I have to imagine that they I I don't I don't know that I that I agree that they would be indistinguishable from. From those, I maybe maybe that's my own naivete, but I I would have to. I don't, I don't, wouldn't call it naivete. I would just say it's optimism. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's you know, I I there's a big difference between cynicism and intelligence. Although a lot of people would uh, seem to think they're one and the same. <laughs> yeah, I would. I mean, I, I I think you know, I think this is an issue that you know people can have different opinions on that are that are all reasonable it's a it's a super morally complicated situation i think that like i mean to me i think you know if the nominee is joe biden i mean it's like man it is really they they just you know couldn't have made somebody that uh feels harder to to vote for and it's Um, it's so crazy because so many of the moderates who were announcing their campaigns this time last year were running specifically because biden is so weak he's so weak and he's so bad and he's just been on the wrong side of every decision for the past like 40 years you know i mean to me aside from the courts if somebody is like you know thinking just trying to decide if they should vote for him in a swing state I, i guess another reason that I would find compelling to do so at this point um, is, you know, we are in the middle of a a national pandemic that will certainly be an issue, uh, you know, in in January still. um, And, uh, you know, it's just, it's an emergency. I mean, Joe Biden is not going to do anything for people, uh, you know, medically, economically, I think in any meaningful way, but it would be, I mean, but with Trump, right. We're just trying to convince him to believe the scientists. Um, and you know, that's just, I mean, it's just so, yeah. I mean, to me, he called coronavirus. I would would imagine that Joe Biden's cabinet would at least, you know, believe, the scientists yeah the i mean epidemiologists trump called coronavirus up until like two weeks ago was calling it like a liberal hoax <laughs> so yeah i mean it's just you know they're both like they're both so bad but you know we'll have to see what happens i i guess you know i mean bernie sanders is is still in the race and you know i'm not uh i'm i'm i don't think i'm you know I don't feel optimistic about his his chances at, at this point. But I mean, to me, like not seeing the need for Bernie Sanders at this point is like, uh, you know, I mean, wow. There was a, a piece in uh, <laughs> it's New- really like, wow, man. Yeah. No, I mean, there I was just there was a piece in uh, New York magazine yesterday or no, sorry, the New Yorker, a reality has endorsed Bernie Sanders. And I mean, what an amazing title. But I mean, it's like, if you don't see the need for uh, Medicare for all at this point, then I mean, it's almost like you can't be convinced. I mean, it's like, we, you know, we were talking earlier about this too, but you know, it's just like, it's tying um, insurance to employers when so many people are losing their jobs and we're in the middle of a pandemic and one person's inability to get medical care is 
you know, a a public health concern. It's not only a concern for that person. I mean, it's like, I just, I don't understand how these, I'm not talking, I understand how, you know, corporations and democratic establishment politicians can oppose Medicare for all, but for voters, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's so irrational. It's a, uh, have you guys ever, um, been in a, uh, in a situation where, where somebody, uh, like argued with you about Medicare for all and made the argument that um, it would be worse than the current system because the government is bad at doing stuff. Yes. Like, you know, the whole like, well, if it was like going to the DMV, yeah. then that would be terrible. You know, uh, how does that conversation go for you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely it's, you know, it's it's definitely uh, hard to, I think, persuade folks. I mean, you know, I know my mom was really trying to get a lot of her uh, senior citizen buddies to support Bernie Sanders. And um, it was uh, it was tough because they didn't support Medicare for all because they have Medicare and they find their own experience with Medicare to be horrible because Medicare doesn't cover enough. So it was like kind of going through like, no, like actually what Medicare for all would be it would be full coverage. It wouldn't be this like piecemeal initially thing. it would. Yeah, and like first off, it would be full coverage for elders specifically. Yeah. Interestingly, because I I've also had this conversation with people uh who with older people and they have had good experiences with Medicare. So and Medicare generally has like pre- like people are I think the polling shows that like people are pretty satisfied like people who receive Medicare are like pretty satisfied with uh, with the coverage. And so that's always been my go-to argument, which is, which is just that like, that would be an expansion to everyone. Um, yeah, but, and also there are, it's, it's hard to make a case for when it's hard to frame the argument in those terms when it's like, what is the government good at doing when there are, like when half of our government, like Republicans and also like neolib Democrats are hell bent on gumming up the works, like Mitch McConnell's dream is a non-functioning government. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know. I, Everything. This, this, man, this, this dream big. Yeah. This shoot for the moon this, this episode has gotten very Mitch dark McConnell's dream has well, come true i know to to kind of uh you wrap things up on a more optimistic note um it seems to me like there are some really uh, exciting things happening in los angeles right now um in yeah. politics and i you know i know that you live there and follow it closely i was wondering if you could uh give us some insight into that yeah, um, there are a couple of the things that I think are very exciting right now are uh, the Reclaiming Homes Project, which I believe um, is a, a collaboration between two different organizations. I'm not exactly sure which ones, but I know that it's a, a joint effort. Um, and uh, that has been uh, a pretty, pretty similar occupation sort of movement to the Moms for Housing Project in Oakland, where um, some mothers and their children occupied a house and uh 
organization members help them move in and stay there basically until the police force them out. And they're doing the same thing here in L.A. with uh, a bunch of homes that are near to the railroad tracks, um, I believe, that are owned by Caltrans. And these are just empty homes that Caltrans owns and won't let anyone occupy, um, basically, in case they need to eminent domain it, I'm assuming. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they've been moving into there and, um, you'd think that the police would have better things to do in this time of pandemic, <laughs> uh, than evict families, but it turns out they don't. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're a very good, uh, very good project to follow, um, and to help out if you can. Um, and then ground game LA has set up a, a very, very thorough, um, mutual aid effort, um, that's very well organized. So if you are in LA, I highly recommend, uh, getting in touch with either of those. Awesome. That's it's it's hopeful. Yeah, you know? that's great to it's, hear. Uh, yeah, I I uh <laughs> I think that the death of the Democratic Party is a positive thing. So I am very excited. Um because I think it can mean better things, not yeah. well, I guess we all just have to have Republicans now. And you know, that's my optimism, I guess. Yeah. No, I certainly and you have a- possible and you have a likely Democratic Socialist City Council member, somebody, I think it's it's a runoff right now? Yes. Um, we have, uh, I believe, two people running for LA City. No, 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 no. Ju- is it just Nithya Raman or is there another one now? I'm, I'm not sure, actually. I know about Nithya, but... Well, in, uh, in my... Um, Actually, in my uh, I do I do not have a good city council member. My city council member sucks. But um, there is going to be a uh, runoff election for city council uh, for council district four, um, where many comedians live. So uh, important district. Very important. <laughs> Truly, if you care about comedy, um, <laughs> vote for Nithya Rama. Yeah, our, yeah. It uh, seems like she's done um some really wonderful work um especially around um housing and homelessness um yes she is um the council four has has some of the like densest i mean outside of skid row has some of the densest um like encampments um and uh she supports what i think is a great option for ending homelessness which is uh giving people homes to live in uh so yeah She's great. She's yeah, she's worked with um, grassroots uh, housing organizations for for a long time. So um, she seems uh, very committed to doing something about it. That is amazing. Um, Check out her campaign. And Sara, where can people find you uh, since you're not on Twitter? Uh, You know, if if uh, you go to my website, heysarajune.com, you can sign up for my mailing list. And then I'll send you an email. Oh my god, I love that. Love to see it. You know, it's like a blog, but I, you know, I email it to you. A newsletter. Yes, a newsletter. Yeah, if people if people sign up for my newsletter, that's how you can find me. Sign up for my newsletter. It's easy to find. I made a I made a big big button on my website where you can tell me if you want me to email you. I only want to email you with clear consent. <laughs> I really don't like it when people email me and I don't know who the fuck they are. I agree. We're we're against that here on Reply, guys. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, yeah, sorry uh, if this episode was a little, you know, bummer. We're, we're dealing with our new lives, you know? Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, we can talk about movies or something if you want. Uh, maybe uh, maybe at a later date. <laughs> and check out Means TV. We're really excited yeah, about that. So cool. we hope that, uh, I am excited, too. You Thank you for out. supporting it. Um, yeah, you go to uh, their means underscore TV on Twitter. You can go to means.tv uh, to read about it. It's 10 bucks a month, but if you really want to watch it and you can't afford 10 bucks a month, you can DM us and we will figure something out with you and give you a coupon. Uh, and yeah, thanks for paying for it because it's, you know, I'm I'm not out of work yeah. right now. Like this is, this <laughs> the media cooperative has weathered its first storm, extreme pandemic wow. recession. Oh my gosh. Uh, we're doing pretty much the same. <laughs> so uh, it's proving, it's proving pretty good so far. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. Thanks so All much right. for talking well, to thank us. You, thank you for having me on. Uh, Y'all stay safe. Please be you healthy. You too. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is your land.